You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorahgmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. And if you don't want to go to send me an email, you can go to our new webpage at letstalktorah.net. Letstalktorah.net. That will take you to my webpage. You can find all the archives and all the shows. You can sign up for any platform that makes you happy to listen to the show. You can leave me a message. And, of course, very important, um, you can leave a donation. You can help the show. You can help us grow. You can pay for the wonderful studios here um, of NRM Streamcast. And, uh, again, if you want to leave me a message, you want a shout-out, you want a happy birthday, a happy bar mitzvah, happy anniversary, whatever makes you happy, go to letstalktorah.net. Everything about the show is there that you need. And, of course, in advance, I do thank you. We are in the Passover season. It is right around the corner, like, like really right around the corner. Like, today is Thursday. Next Wednesday night, we are Passovering, if there's such a word. And um, we said in the last show, again, if you want to know what a, what a real Seder looks like, if you want to have a feeling, you want to run your own, you need some help, you need some ideas, you need to know some of the songs. We love songs. Um, go into my archives. Just go into the find. Type in like Mock, M-O-C-K, Seder, S-E-D-E-R, or type in Passover, and it should come up in the archives, and you can watch it. It's... Uh, Probably around 45 minutes long. I don't remember for sure. Um, but give it a, it's a great source, a great place to go. Um, a refresher course, if you want to call it that. Very helpful. Um, I strongly suggest it. Doesn't have to be mine. You go on to YouTube, watch a thousand of them. You know what I mean? But it's, it's a good idea if you need some help just to make sure that you can entertain all the people that are sitting around the table when they say, didn't we, didn't we hear this story already? Didn't we hear the story already? Um, of course, there's a famous story. There's um, two gentlemen sitting uh, by the radio, and they're talking about how uh, the radio's talking about it's the 10 o'clock news, and there's a, there's a person on a third floor, and he's threatening to jump, and the two friends are sitting there, and I say, ah, I bet he won't jump. Oh, yeah, I bet he will jump. Oh, let's put $10 on it. Sure enough, 30 seconds later, the guy jumps. So the guy pulls out his $10 to pay. He says, he can't pay me. I heard this on the news at 6 o'clock. I knew he was going to jump. So the other guy says, you know, I also heard it on the news at 6 o'clock. And I can't believe he jumped twice. I can't believe it. Right? So sometimes we think if we heard the story already, we know the story. Right? But, but that's not what's happening. What is happening? Right? This is really the question I think we need to sink our teeth into especially because we're going to be crunching matzah instead of, uh, you know, cupcakes and danishes and stuff uh, during Passover, I hope. So what are we looking to accomplish 
at the Seder. If God wants me to know the story of leaving uh, Egypt, the story of the Exodus, so open up the Torah. Um, it's a couple chapters long, you know, at, at, if you want to go from the beginning to the end. So open up Exodus chapter 1, verse 1, go through the first, uh, I don't know, 12 chapters. And if you want to be really good, go through, uh, you know, 13 is very short, but um, 13, but uh, 14 and 15, and that'll get you into uh, even the splitting of the Red Sea. You got the whole story. And then that long chapter is uh, 20, 25 uh, verses per chapter. It, can't, it won't take you long to read the story. I can give you an abridged version if you need. Like, why do we have to have this whole business and matzah and bitter herbs and dipping and sitting around the table with family and and reclining and wine? And we got to read all this stuff and talk about four sons and questions like just read the story. You know what happened. Very, very good. What are we trying to accomplish? Right? When they say, we know that story already. We heard this already. So there's there's multiple answers to this question. But here's how I would like to attack it today. If you think about it, right? If you think about the memories that you remember growing up, it doesn't matter what the memory is about. But if you're thinking about family stuff, what are the memories that stick in your head? It's probably not stories that you told over to each other. It's probably stuff that happened. Stuff. Doing things. Action. Right? When, 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 we, when we sing together. Right? And I was by a, a funeral a bunch of years ago. And I didn't, I didn't appreciate, I didn't think it was appropriate at a funeral that they got up there to start, you know, playing the bar songs that they would all sing on a Friday night. But one thing is true. The fact of the matter was that those were their memories. And they were probably very good memories for those people. We are creating memories. That's what we're looking for. To create memories, yes, I have to tell over the story. Reading the story is not creating memories. You do want to listen. You don't want to listen. It's in the back of your head. Who cares? But when the child is standing there asking the four questions and when you're applauding him and maybe giving him some candy or whatever you give the child or giving him a prize and when they try to steal the piece of matzah, what we call the afikoman, and when everybody's trying to crunch their matzah and make their matzah and mara sandwiches and everybody's giggling or whatever they're doing and this one asks questions and this one this one is trying to answer and these guys are, 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 are making trouble on the side and these guys are sitting on a couch and the whole picture, when you put the whole picture together, those memories stick. Now... We're not just trying to make memories that families should have good memories of of time well spent. No. We want to inculcate. That is a great word. We want to create memories in our children about how God took us out of Egypt. And this they're going to remember. They're going to remember, yeah, I remember going to my parents and to my grandparents and and part of the memory, hopefully the memory is not just going 
for the meal, but what happened at the meal? What did we talk about at the meal? We talked about how God took us out of Egypt and we're working on our belief in God and how much we have to appreciate God and what God did for us and what he's done till now. But we're going to accomplish all that. All of that is going to be accomplished because we're doing stuff. When you actually do an action connected to something you're talking about, that has staying power. Every teacher knows. Uh, if you just stand in front of your class, unless you're a professor. But when you're teaching students, if all you're doing is lecturing, it's in one ear out the other, if they even had the patience to listen to it the first time around. Stuff has to be happening. Things are happening. People are doing stuff. Right? This is what we're trying to accomplish at the Seder. If this is the one thing you come away with, then I think you got it. In other words, my children don't get to say, oh, I heard this story already. I know you heard it already. And I want you to hear it again and again and again. Like that even becomes a joke. Like when all my kids can, can, um, can repeat, and this is what I do. For every question they ask, I say, okay, you want the real answer or you just want the, you know, you want to, you just want the answer to the question. Oh, we want both. Okay. So the real answer is we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And God in his kindness took us out of Egypt. And so my kids will say it with me. But hello, that's the joke, right? That's the joke. We keep repeating the same line over. Of course they know the line. What's wrong with knowing the line? What's wrong with hearing the story all over again? Oh, can you tell us the story with Tony and Fred? I have my Egyptian names are Tony and Fred. Don't ask me why. Those are just the names that I came up with. And they they, they, they want to hear the story. They, they want to hear the stuff they're familiar with. And they laugh. And they joke about it. We notice already. And yes, as they get older and ask more intelligent questions, of course we have deeper answers for those. But they're not going to remember all the deep, you know, philosophical or brilliant answers that we might come up with during the evening. That's not what's happening. What's happening is that we are, we are putting into our bones, deep inside of us, um, to remember how we, how we celebrated and acted, to remember what God did for us, to remember how we have to be appreciative. We're eating the matzah. It's going to help us. Why are we eating the matzah? Because God took us out so fast. Why are we eating the bitter herbs? Because the Egyptians were bitter to us. Okay, we don't have a Passover sacrifice anymore to eat that uh, to remind us how God saved our lives and only and only killed the firstborn Egyptians. You know, it's it, it's uh, almost a little sad. Like I, I talk to you all the time. It's the way the way we run our Passover Seder is for sure way different than what happened um, 2,000 years ago when there was a temple. It, it, no way they're similar. Yeah, the words might be the same, but let me tell you something. They had a sacrifice. And that sacrifice had to be finished before um, the middle of the night, which happens to be in Detroit in the 135 range. And New York is probably in the 1 o'clock range. Um, not 12 o'clock, not midnight. Right? The middle of the night. The middle of the night is, again, is in that 135 range. So think about it for a second. You were not allowed to eat that sacrifice after the middle of the night. So no one is, is all of a sudden 
um, at one o'clock saying, oh, you know, uh, maybe we should think about carving up the, uh, the sacrifice over here so everybody gets a piece of meat. No way. You were going to make sure that everything was focused, that we are going to get to eat this fully roasted sacrifice that our whole day was spent on preparing, and it, that was going to be a big deal. Right? Everything revolved around this Passover sacrifice because this sacrifice, which is sitting on the table, is getting carved up, is the remind. It's not that big. Right? It's going to feed 20, 30 people. That's it. It's a, a less than a year old cheap, right? But this is, we're going to eat this. This is going to put into us the memories of how God passed over and saved our lives. After everyone's eaten and, and we've fulfilled the command of the matzah and the bitter herbs and the Passover sacrifice, okay, now we can talk. Now we're going to sit back now we can sing, we'll do hallel, we'll praise God, and now we'll probably get more into talking to the children. And I was in our, my Seder. I'm talking to the children for an hour and a half, for two hours. That was not happening in the time of the temple. It was impossible. There's just no way that you would spend an hour and a half talking to children and, and, and you know, having a, a, a small window of time. See, now... Um, how long does it take to eat a piece of matzah at the end of the meal? Okay, so at one thirty-one, you're gobbling up your uh, your afikoman, right? You know what I mean? Like, because how long does it take to eat a little piece of matzah? But when you had a sacrifice and you wanted to, you wanted every scrap eaten that was part of the command to to eat that Passover sacrifice and make sure there's no leftover meat. Right, that became the focus of the evening. So historically, our focus on the evening has totally changed. Right? As people think that the focus of the evening is food. It's not true. The focus of the evening is not food at all. Time at a temple, perhaps the focus was on food. But now the focus on the children, the focus on the story, the focus on creating this powerful memory that we put into the children and ourselves, by the way. I'm not saying it doesn't go into us as well. But certainly into the children, this, this understanding of, of why we're sitting here and what we're trying to accomplish. And the whole evening is this way. So, for example, um, the standard custom is at least the person who's running the Seder, which could be the father, could be the grandfather. And in many homes, um, any adult male who's married will wear this white, what's called a kittel. It's basically a long white shirt. It has a belt usually. Some are a little more ruffled, you know, a little fancy with some designs. Maybe the sleeves have some designs. For me, it's the best bib ever, by the way. It's like the best because it's a, it's a white shirt. It's a big deal. You spill some wine on it, get crumbs on it, get some food on it. Who cares? Take it off. After the holidays, you, um, you uh, clean it up. It's beautiful. It's called a kittel. Okay? I don't even know if there's an English word for this garment. It's called a kittel. Now, there's actually two purposes to a kittel um, or its uses. Number one, it's regal. Hey, you're wearing this big, long, clean, white Shirts, certainly countries like like uh, Egypt, 
way back when linen was a uh, was a was a big deal. White was considered a very honorable color. Right now we're way into colors. Um, but the kittel was a sign of royalty. Tonight we're sitting as free men. We are, we are. Yes, it. Not all of us are as free as we would like to be. Maybe we're not home where we think we belong. Um, but the freedom is we are free to serve God. Even during times where Jews were being hunted if they were keeping their religion, and like times of the Holocaust and stuff, and uh, of course through the Crusades and throughout history when, when the Jewish people has, uh, you know, have time of the Romans, have maybe not been in a position to openly um, observe their religion. But the fact of the matter is we are free. The fact that I can choose to serve God means I'm free. Even if I'm going to get persecuted for following through on my religion, the fact that I have a religion that God gave me and he gave me his commands and he says, serve me, that makes me a free man. So part one of the evening is I'm very busy um, showing my freedom, showing who I am. There's many people, even if they don't you know, have you know, fancy silver on their table during the whole year, uh, but by the Passover Seder, they like to have some beautiful, um, you know, gold is a little bit, you know, not nowadays, but at least silver. So, you know, I have a big goblet for the cup of Elijah and for my plate, the ka'ara, it's made of silver, has some nice legs on it, right? Things that I basically use twice a year. And then once Passover is over, they're put away, not to be taken out to the next year Passover. But it's part of showing that we are free, that we, we have beautiful things to adorn our table. However, there's a second purpose to a kittel. The kittel is something that we put on a person when they die. When a person passes away, when a person dies, um, one of the shrouds, one of the things they put on is a kittel, and, um, and they're buried with it. So the kittel is a garment that really should, should symbolize, should signify death. That I'm here today, no one knows what tomorrow will be, no one lives forever, right? As much as we would like to believe that we live forever, um, but the, of course we all know that no one lives forever. So when I put on that kittel, and, right, the person leading the Seder, or the father, or the grandfather, right, when we're leading the Seder, the, and we're telling over the Passover story, part of what's supposed to be going into our mind is all this emotion, all this energy, all this information that I have, I got to give over to my children. I have to give over to my grandchildren because I will not be here forever to tell over the story. And that's what the Kittles are reminding me. I am not here forever. I got I to gotta make sure that not only do they know the story, read the story, know the story. No, no. They got to live the story. They got to feel the story. That, that story is part of who they become. And we're going to do that with all the things we do during the Seder, all the emotions, all the feelings, all the happenings, all however we do everything. Because the time will come when this child sitting here or when this grandchild sitting here will be sitting by their own table and they will be talking to their grandchildren. Well, if I was not able to put in the full story, the emotions, the feelings, the importance, if I cannot not only communicate that to the grandchildren, 
but give that over to the grandchildren, well, what do you think is going to happen in 75 years from now? Forget 75, the grandchildren. Okay, that's going to happen in, in 40 years from now or 50 years from now when they're doing the same thing, right? Again, as much as we like to believe we'll be here forever, we will not be here forever. So the kittel helps me remember that I'm giving over the story so they can give over the story, so their children can give over the story, and that's what allows a nation to continue to exist. So that, I don't want to say in a nutshell, but that is what's going on. And reading over a story is never going to do that. Right? Reading over a story is never going to do that. So many things I want to talk about. So much about a Seder. What else can we get into with our small amount of time? Um, so here's something for you. Um, and I, when I get to this part of the Seder, I'm usually cruising already because we've been talking and hacking and who knows what. Dayenu. Right? Hopefully you're all familiar Die, die, yeh, no. You put it in, there's a million songs on YouTube, right? Die, die, yeh, no. Die, die, yeh, no. Die, die, yeh, no. Die, yeh, no. Die, yeh, no. Die, yeh, no means enough. So it's a very beautiful um, song where we list 15 things that if God would have done the first thing, but he wouldn't have done the second thing, it would have been enough. If God uh, um, would have would have killed the firstborn, but not uh, given us the money on the way out the door. If God would have taken us to the Red Sea and not split the, split the sea. If God would have split the sea, but not let us through on dry land. If he would have let us through on dry land, but not taken care of our needs. If God would have taken us into the desert, not given us uh, the, the food to eat and the water to drink. If God would have given us the food to eat and brought us to Mount Sinai, but not given us the Torah. If God would have given us the Torah, but not brought us to Israel. If God would have brought us to Israel and not built us the temple, but God did all these things. As really, really. If we wouldn't have had a lot of the things in the Dayenu story, well, if we wouldn't have had all this stuff, we, 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 we wouldn't be here. Right? We, we, we're missing some of the things we need. But the point is, right, when I'm reading over this type of poetry and I'm, I'm, I'm delineating all the different things, and that's the next paragraph, but God did do all these things, and he, he saved us from Egypt, and he gave us the money, and he killed the firstborn, and he brought us to the Red Sea, and he split the sea, and he supported us, and he gave us food in the desert, and he, he gave us water in the desert, and he brought us to Mount Sinai, and he gave us a Torah, and he brought us to Israel, and he built us a temple so we could uh, be forgiven whenever we do something wrong. Right? If God right, wouldn't have done any of those things, I'd be up the creek. Right? The fact is God did all this stuff for me. How thankful and appreciative I need to be because otherwise what would I have? What would I be? Who would I be? Where would I be? Right? But God allowed me to survive and, uh, and, and saved me and, and chose me, right? chosen people, right? And, and God took care of me. So now... I'm sitting by the Seder, and I am trying to give over to my children the feeling of, of how appreciative we must be. Well, the best way to teach appreciation is to go over the list and thank God not only for the big things, but for the little things. So actually, um, and this I just did recently, I've been, uh, I've been getting better at this. 
Um, so it's Passover time, and people give uh, people uh, give uh, some extra food, and they there's uh, like in this town they try to make sure the teachers are given extra money and extra bonuses. And there's people that hand out like trunk loads of food, trunk loads, cases of meat and of tuna fish and and matzah and pan, all the stuff you need because it's it's an expensive holiday. So there are people, I'm talking about my town, but all, all across the country that are giving so much. So you want to thank the person. And, and you don't even know how to start. But the first thing you need to remember is I'm going to thank you for the big things, but I'm going to thank you for the small stuff as well. But with that, the music is playing. I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you for all wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you for my wonderful production team. I have David in the bank. Back. And we have less than food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Adam's new guest. And have a happy and healthy Passover. And until next time, don't forget to think about it. We're gonna make-